I need to remind you guys about my Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide, you can find the FIG Patreon where subscribers pay a monthly fee for early access, private and premium content, as well as access to the FIG Discord. £3, £5, £8 and £12 tiers, all with a 15% discount if you go for the yearly options and a load of people are enjoying it. Over 90 members so far and growing every week. Head over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide for more info. Here's the legal stuff from Football Index. FI is a gambling product available to customers in certain territories aged 18 or over. The content of this podcast has not been approved by Football Index, but they do listen to the show to keep me on my toes. Please remember to only gamble what you can afford to lose. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Hello and welcome back to the Fitcast Extra, not the Panda Cast, episode 48. And I usually say that I'm, as always, joined by Sporting Panda, but I'm not. Today I'm joined by a replacement in FI Dunwell, who is a regular at this point, I suppose, on multiple podcasts to do with Football Index, I guess. Uh, but just before I introduce him and let him tell the audience again for the umpteenth time what he does and who he is, uh, I need to remind you that uh, recent released a really Really good webinar uh, on YouTube. Took it behind, uh, out behind the Fig Patreon paywall. It was done by a guy called Fi Boise, who is an actual market maker. He works as a F, uh, as an not an Fi market maker, as an actual market maker for his job, and he did a webinar. And I've put it on YouTube because I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. I thought it was really, really, really good, and I just thought like everyone should see this and hear this. So. Um, uh, there you are. It's on YouTube. Go check that out if you're going to do one thing this week to do with Football Index go watch that but alas enough of that done well how are you doing mate i'm good mate i'm good really great to be back on thanks uh good holiday period yes it was good it was short uh only had a couple of days off in the end on the bank holidays um and obviously wasn't the christmas which we were expecting i'm sure that was true for a lot of people um but yeah it was fine thanks nice to not be at work i suppose Mm. and uh back hard at work now Back hard at work, been back since yesterday, lots going on. Um, yes, it's just an incredibly busy time at the moment. So, uh, but that's okay. Um, can't be too busy, I suppose, if I can record this with you this afternoon. <laughs> what have you got up to this week apart from any of that stuff? Anything interesting? Uh, well, I've just been doing some reading. I know Panda likes to share some of the things he's been reading about. I mean, I probably uh, can't. Uh, compete with some of the stuff he gets into <laughs> i don't know much about castles or spiders but um i've been reading about the kingdom of portugal and uh how that came to be formed and how the algarve wasn't actually a part of it until relatively recently um that was quite interesting um what else have i been doing oh, all kinds of bits and pieces really had some put some new lights up in the house that was quite quite fun um but no not a lot really fig knackered mate i'm absolutely knackered i could do with a proper holiday you know yeah same you and i both it's it's been an exhausting year really and truly and i think um like people are wishing away 2020 but i think it's just gonna all blur into one right it's just gonna feel like uh the covid period no matter what year it's just gonna feel like the same thing isn't it yeah, I completely agree. I think it's absolutely right. And the only other thing, and the one kind of bright spot over the last few months has been 
well, there's nothing really much to do. So it's been quite nice to consume as much sport that there's been on. Um, but I don't know about you. I feel like it's starting to drag a bit in quality. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of the football over the last couple of weeks. And it's pretty poor. But even then, it's better than having no sport at all. And I've just seen mm. Spurs has been postponed tonight yeah. um, for their game against Fulham. I guess we were expecting that, weren't we, to an extent. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the thought of kind of... I don't know, losing like all of that again is pretty miserable, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I I think there's been kind of mixed reports, hasn't there? Um, they're going to think about doing it uh, as in like a stoppage, a break. They're going to just continue as, as usual. Um, I mean, me personally, the NBA is back and that's been kind of like higgledy-piggledy as well. Like there's players being rested every other night and in a sport like that where you have five players on the court and if you have your two star players out with injury or isolating or just being rested because it's such a congested fixture schedule um the quality of the games just becomes really really bad i was trying to explain it to a friend it's like you know if um if it was five aside football and you had like kane son hoiberg loris and alderweireld and you swapped Kane and Son for uh, Mora and Bergvin, the quality of the play just would be really, really bad. And that's been the equivalent of it. But yeah, the football's been really, really poor. I watched Arsenal Brighton, of course, being an Arsenal fan. That was devastatingly bad, especially the first half was so bad. Like there was a period from minute 45 to 65 where Arsenal played really well. And that was the only part of like the game where there was above like six out of 10 average football uh, in the game and then I watched stupidly watched the second half of the Wolves Man United game which was dreadful as well like it was even worse it was horrible horrible to watch and then um, fittingly a deflected goal finished that game <laughs> <laughs> yeah it summed it up really didn't it it summed it up I, mean, I don't know about you as well but I kind of feel like when the quality dips like this, it sounds really negative, isn't it? It's not meant to sound really negative, but you also get a greater degree of randomness in the results. And some of that is good, but also some of it makes you want question the um, question the like, legitimacy of what you're looking at. So, you know, the Premier League table, it's kind of on the one hand, it's kind of really good, isn't it? That like loads of teams are in the shout this year. It's really compressed at the top. Anyone can win it except Arsenal and three others. Um, but actually it doesn't really reflect the quality of the squads that have been built by managers as well. Do you know what I mean? It's such a weird, weird period of football, isn't it? Because like, I don't know, I I get this feeling and I think I discussed it with Panda a couple of weeks ago. This is slightly tangential, but what you've just said there kind of sparked something in my mind where like a lot of young players have struggled during this period. Um, The likes of Mbappe, uh, Sancho, um, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Mbappe. I, t- I said Mbappe already, but saying him again. Like a lot of these players have struggled, and some young players have done well. You know, um, the likes of Ansu Fati, the likes of uh, Yusuf Makoko coming in, uh, Erling Haaland, um, Bukayo Saka, as we saw last night. But you know, there have been a lot of young players under 23, 24, or players coming into the league or or moving clubs that just have really struggled with this kind of no uh you know no no fans type of thing and like I, I was thinking about it as well like we're both Arsenal fans right uh Nicola Pepe clearly a very very talented player not really adapted to the league and, and settled as well as he we'd have hoped but I kind of watched him um a couple of games ago when he came on against Chelsea and I was just like when he gets the ball he's the type of player that like you want to watch as a fan and he 
I think he kind of feels like a player that would live up to it. And I feel a lot of those types of players, like the Adama Traores, uh, the likes of him, like players that really do, um, you know, dribble past players, are explosive and, and try and get fans on their feet. It feels like they're trying to force themselves to make this feel like it's normal when it's not. Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, I think particularly for the younger players, there's a double or triple adaptation required. So um, let's say, let's take, let's take like Kai Havertz right, as an example. And it's not about him personally. I don't know what he's like. I don't know like, what his mental like, state is like in terms of his ability to adapt and things like that. Because Also had you know, COVID as well and, and apparently yeah. struggled with that physically. Absolutely. But you know, you've got, so one hand, you've got having to adapt to a new league and a new team and all those things which uh, footballers have to do kind of routinely over a summer period when you move clubs, but that's not to be underestimated in its own right. Secondly, you've got to adapt to this playing in a whole new environment where there's no fans, you can't feed off that energy that comes with that. And I think that does affect some players more than others. And then thirdly, I, I think we forget how young these guys are sometimes. <laughs> you know, like, you know can, can, when I think about what I was doing at 17, 18, 19, you know, I wasn't under that kind of pressure. Um, and having to do that away from home and in an environment where your health is potentially at risk and thinking about is my family's health at risk back home, possibly many miles away from where I'm now living on my own. That's actually really hard as well. So like, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. Maybe we should cut these guys some slack that this is a really, really difficult environment to have to adapt and perform at your kind of top level. Mm. I think it's really, really difficult to, to do so. And I think it's, it's been unfair of a lot of people to kind of expect a lot of these players to play lots of minutes and, and impact games at a great level um, and also criticise and critique them for not making squads and, and not making starting lineups and not playing as much as they maybe were expected to do when they were bought for the fees that they were. And I think that is going to continue for a little bit. Like I... I think about the January transfer window, for example, which is ha- which is coming up, and we we haven't really seen that many rumours, have we? Done well, um, considering uh, how many holes there are in in so many squads. But I do feel if players do come in during this period, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of them uh, not adapt very well. I agree. Is this like the strangest January window ever? Yeah, I, there's been no rumours. I've seen Isco to Arsenal on loan, and that's about it. Diego Costa linked with a few places on a free like at this point you know we're on we're the 30th of December we would have seen links and, and transfer rumours the whole of December up until January and I think honestly football clubs are just kind of seeing taking 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 things when they come really like I, I think no one wants to make that first chess move because financially it's tough yeah, there's a few things at play here, aren't there? So firstly, let's not forget the summer transfer window only actually finished about eight weeks ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not actually been a particularly long period um, since clubs could have, like, buy players. So um, that's kind of the first thing. Secondly, no one's got any money. Or certainly there's a large disparity between the few clubs who have got money at their disposal mm. and the rest who haven't. And actually, I rather fear and suspect there are some really big clubs who are struggling right now in a way we don't necessarily know about so um you know that's obviously a concern um and thirdly 
there's a, there is a genuine um, challenge in getting these deals done potentially when there are such significant travel restrictions being imposed um, between nations. So uh, trying to get an international transfer done over the next four to five weeks is going to be really, really hard going when it's not particularly straightforward to get medicals, meetings, meetings with agents, everything else in the diary and actually like getting that done face to face. So we're going to see a very unusual transfer window, a quiet mm. one, I'm sure. Yeah. I agree. So let's talk a little bit more about football index, right? Like a weird, weird state right now that we're in, the state of flux. Volumes are really, really low, the lowest they've been since they switched on that metric. Unsurprisingly so, considering I think people have just wanted to switch off during the Christmas period, considering the state of the market as well. You wrote a really, really awesome thread that I thought was great um, about leadership at FI and, and what you would do if they if you were them. And we also saw a really great one by TC, uh, TCBER on Twitter, I think, at TCBER, um, about the complexity of the product. And I think there's a couple of things here. It's like what we want Football Index to do and also trying to take ourselves out of this kind of... Um, out of this bubble of like where we're very used to the product and how complex it is and and i think order books has kind of changed the game for a lot of opinions and me personally i've kind of completely taken a new viewpoint on on everything really considering like how much of a uh a game changer this is in terms of adding complexity to the product but also the the mechanics and um the kind of risks associated with it as well especially in this illiquid market so let's start with your your thread done well um what were you trying to achieve with that and also let's let's go through it bit by bit like when you were kind of writing this what were you thinking about when trying to kind of evoke what you wanted to onto social media yeah i mean this came about as a follow-up to the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago with panda and calm um which i thought was a really uh, good conversation actually um in terms of i think you know we're a bit of an echo chamber at times both as a community and as um you know individuals within it and having someone come into that conversation and challenge some of our like beliefs or our assertions I thought it was quite healthy. Um, it wasn't hmm. always a wasn't always a straightforward or a simple conversation. Um, you know, we got kind of distracted a little bit down down some rabbit holes. But actually, as a concept, as a principle, it was quite a good thing for us to take on. I think. Um, and in the Discord, I think the next day, one of the Discord members um, it, it asked me. You know, look, it was some really interesting ideas kind of floated in that discussion. But if you were the chief exec of FI, given the fact that you know you're you're a chief exec in in your day job. Um, what would you do when, if you got into the company? And I thought, uh, it's a really good question. Um, and just kind of step back a little bit. And I tried to put myself in that position, turning up to work on day one and probably having a couple of weeks where you just want people to give you information and then, you know, surmising that back. And I, um, the thread that I put together was really, this is what I'd say to the staff actually, because that's almost your first consideration when you're, when you're leading a big organization is, you know, communicating with the staff. It's so important to tell them where you think you're at and where they fit into making it better if things aren't working. So that's kind of, that was the background to the threat. Yeah, I think there is like a, a lot there. Um, and I think there is obviously those conversations coming around because we have had leadership change at Football Index, right? <laughs> and it's going to be great to get your your opinions on that as well. Um, later on, I think there's some questions on uh, Mike stepping into the limelight of the CEO role, Adam stepping back, etc. And we, we can kind of discuss that. But let, let's kind of talk about the thread. So let's go through it bit by bit. 
Um, I haven't actually got it up in front of me. It's really poor and unprofessional of me. Do you have it in front of you, Donald? Yeah, I've got it. I've got go it. Go on, you, you, so, you go ahead. Yeah, so I think if you had to pick out a couple of themes from this, like from what I would say to people, it's mostly around... Um, taking ownership and responsibility for where things currently are as a leadership um, of the organisation. And then secondly, you know, really being very focused and strategic around improving things from like where we are today to where they, they could be. And that's really what the thread tries to hone in on. So like, it, it kicks off initially, really. And again, this is very much through the lens of, of an all-staff kind of call saying, you know, let's accept that things are pretty bad right now. It doesn't mean that the company's failing. It doesn't mean that it's going to go bust or anything like that. But you've got to be realistic and honest with people. This is not absolutely. What we, this is not where we want to be at the moment. Um, and I don't think anyone who uses the platform right now could feasibly say this is what we think like the full potential of football index is. So it's really important that FI, I think, take that like take that at face value and accept that for themselves. Because until they do, I doubt we'll get to see the interventions that are needed to really turn things around. Yeah, I think there is like a stark reality point here, right? Um, and a lot of good uh, leaders have written about kind of like accepting the harsh realities of um, the state of your business. And the state of F5 right now is not good. Maybe from a financial standpoint on their books, they'll think about it and look like, you know, we're in a good financial position, which a lot of people, smart people out there have said that they think FI are in. And I, I personally also agree with that uh, statement. The issue is like good balance sheet right now, but bad product that hasn't got engagement and company maybe not being run as well as it should be. Those two, those two things can basically slide across each other long term. And I think that when you look about like what FI have done since September, it's not been good. Uh, March to September was great, uh, apart from the July 30% dividend increase, but you can say that they rectified that. September to now has been as bad as it could have gone. Like they have made every every decision they could have made has been as bad as it could have been. Um, And again, I think that is the first point that I took from your thread. I was like, the stark realities have to be looked at right now. Things are not very good. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't be turned around, as with any business. I mean, if uh, if you read um, about some of the greatest business builders in, in the world, they they talk about how, like, on the outside, um, companies are, are very much seen as being, like, very good and, like, everything's proper. And if you walked into them, like, there wouldn't be a pencil uh, out of place. But the reality of things is, like, it is always a shit show whatever level of company you're at whether it's like apple or a small medium sized business like 20 25 people there are going to be periods that there are really really difficult bits of uh, that journey that need to be conquered and i think like football index are at those crossroads now where they need to really look at kind of like what is going on right now and just have the humility to say like things are not very good now we need to turn them around as quickly as we can but just because they're not good doesn't mean, as you said, they're not terminal in your thread. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And my experience <laughs> suggests there are always issues in organisations. Yeah. There's always fires to put out everywhere because that's just human nature. Things don't always go as you plan them to go. And when things go wrong, you need to have a plan to get them to go right again. Um, but the difference here, I think, is that um, a with people like you and me and our community that we're a part of are very very invested in this and very vocal in it. So it probably feels like we are kind of you know seeing things firsthand and experiencing things firsthand. Um, and uh, it, 
And the other thing is that this isn't a minor issue. Like this isn't even a collection of minor issues. This feels like um, the last kind of three or four months have been fundamental failure of the organization as a Mm -hmm. whole. Um, So therefore it requires some pretty fundamental intervention to turn it around. And and it has to be done on so many facets of it, right? So you've got the kind of like company and businesses itself. You've got the uh, fundamentals and the market. So the mechanics, the market makers, um, the, the kind of functionality. And then you've got the actual concept that probably needs tweaking and, and looking at because OBs have kind of highlighted flaws in, in various facets. And we've got this kind of, you know, a lot of people talk about team of the month and it's like well you know it's it's only seen as a bonus when it kind of rewards on a on a general level the best performance for a longer period of time it just there's a lot of convoluting contradictory things uh that just don't really make sense intuitively um and i think like you go on to this this thread you say we need to ask ourselves the question what is our gift as a business and within uh, the regulatory environment we're in to bring about the requirement uh, the required change um, and our strategic objective should be to stimulate price growth um, that's your kind of main thing for me I've been talking about kind of like prices need to rise and volumes need to rise I think those two pillars everything FI need to do needs to go towards those and I can't I can't think in my brain like I can't think of anything else that FI need to be focusing on other than those two facts because everything that leads off from it uh means that they'd have more commissions they'd have more minting traders would be happier trading in an environment where there is more volume and liquidity it just all makes sense to me that's absolutely right it should be it should be obvious that the number one strategic objective of football index today is to get prices back as far as is possible to all-time highs and i don't mean that necessarily artificially because you know we all know that based on the yields and the dividends available these like the entire market is undervalued massively undervalued i did another thread last week for index game which just kind of showed you know on a range of yields with its like 10 percent, 15 20 percent yields what prices should be for players and you know we've got we've got disparities here of three or four hundred percent between where prices are today and what they kind of should be if they tracked their earnings properly as assets um so you know we're not talking here about like some fi just taking a razor to what's currently on the screen and filling in some numbers of their own there are legitimate reasons for the prices to be higher than they should be but they're not going to get there unless we get some market stimulus to really give people the confidence that they can put their money in at those levels because that's what's broken over the last few months is that people actually don't feel like they've got the confidence to hold those players at a four five or six pound plus value um and that's a huge issue isn't it um and the net effect of that is kind of multi multiple on fi as a business so one most significantly if prices are this far from peak they are not minting new shares and if they're not minting new shares i don't understand how they're making any money because commissions are not going to cover their dividend liabilities so that is a problem it's not a problem for today it doesn't mean that they're going to go bust in the next six months or anything like that. But it is going to be a rot which slowly and steadily sets in unless they can change that. So there is a real burning platform for the company. And secondly, when prices are this low, we are locked into a short-term mentality of trading for things like IPDs. And you know, I know it's a, it's a point of passion at the moment around whether IPDs are a good thing or a bad thing. And we'll probably get into that in some of the questions later on. But actually, the reality is 
it makes economic sense for traders to be recycling shares all the time when the when the shares are between 50p and £1.50 and a player is playing seven or eight games in a 30-day period, which they are at the moment. Um, that is just going to keep fundamentally depressing prices as well. So, um, and you know, making this kind of less affordable from a football index perspective. So there are lots and lots of reasons why price growth should be the number one priority for the organisation. Yeah. And I think there is another thing that I want to discuss. Like people are really uh, confusing liquidity with trade volume, aren't they? Like it's two different things. Like there is like liquidity for me is when there is competition for prices at certain points across the market. Trade volume can increase in a liquid market, but not necessarily make the market a lot more liquid, if that makes sense. Yeah, so we know they're not the same thing because you can have a very liquid market which is very quiet in its activity. And you know, let, let's let's look at some of the great established markets in the world. Um, trading volume on the London Stock Exchange can differ massively day to day. And on days like Christmas Eve last week, which was a half day, but nonetheless was it was open. Volume was incredibly low because people like they didn't want to go in and out of positions, but it didn't mean the market wasn't liquid, right? So you know, they are different things fundamentally. Hmm. Yeah, I. <sighs> I think people are confusing a lot of things here. Um, and it's it's worrying. Like, I think, um, well, it's not worrying, but like, I think when people are actively giving FI a lot of feedback um, and we know FI don't have the greatest experience with exchanges, a lot more of their experience is, is gambling backgrounds. Um, it kind of worries me that a lot of people are giving FI feedback when not really knowing what market makers do and not understanding the difference between, say, increased volumes and liquidity. Like, and that's not to say that the the feedback's been given badly or the feedback that has been given is bad. But I do worry that like us as a community and them as a company need to kind of level up their understanding of like what we are talking about and what we're doing on this platform. And I think we are at this point right now because I, I want to talk about like this kind of uh, tunnel vision point that a lot of people are talking about FI with the lens of their own portfolio and the lens of their own agenda, which I really think is is too um, it, it's too damaging at this point because like there needs to be change on all aspects of the platform and company on a, on a grand scale. I I don't say that lightly at all, and I think. I've had a lot of conversations with people about IPDs, uh, dividend deadlines being moved back. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, for example, IPDs, like if they were removed or replaced or or altered, like it wouldn't be good for the players that I hold that are like 30p or 70p or 80p or whatever. But I'm kind of thinking about this purely from a from a product standpoint, like from an actual game standpoint. And same with the dividend deadline. I was like, I, I don't really actively day trade that much. And I know that having no deadline wouldn't benefit me that much. But like, if this was a fully functioning platform um, that had market makers and it was very liquid, then it would be very hard for people to just like continuously buy and sell those dividend winners just before midnight and make money. I just don't think it would really happen. So like there were a lot of things going on um, and I wanted to touch on TC's thread and move on from from yours, even though yours, yours was brilliant uh, and kind of talk about it. He kind of just outlined like everything than anything that is to do with fi from like a purely game standpoint and i think we've got some issues here don't we dunwell yeah we do and just on that last point actually before we kind of like move across philly 
I do. I, I value the fact that Football Index wants to talk to people in the community who use their product. I think good businesses go out of their way. To oh, absolutely. To their customers. absolutely. That is a good thing. But how, and there's a really, really strong caveat to that statement. They should have the confidence to know what needs to be done to their own product as mm. well. And you should, they should be augmenting that with the views of the people who use it. It shouldn't kind of be a oh my God, we don't know what we're doing. We best go and talk to like 100 traders and find out what it is they think we need to do because that would actually be you know, far more damaging than not having the conversation at all, I suspect. Mm, I agree. Like have the conversations, but I think FI need to have a thesis that they come into those conversations with. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's talk a little bit about this. Like, so... It was kind of the elephant in the room, something nothing was no one people were talking about. Like TC just said, FI has got to ridiculous levels of complexity now. Not sure I'd get all these rules, deadlines, payouts right if tested on them and I've been using FI for five years. How can a platform like this scale up? All changes in 2021 have to be made with simplicity in mind, in my opinion. Um, like it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Like uh, if we talk about the different commission levels, if we talk about the deadlines for different dividend tiers, if we talk about like 30 days for IPDs, buying before the 24th on uh, team of the month, uh, media buzz having these arbitrary rules, uh, PB having like the stacking situations or like that an un- unsuccessful cross gets three points or but a successful cross gets five points plus three points. Like there is so many layers to this and i think it's i think it's time to just take a step back for fi and they need to simplify i think at this point oh i just i couldn't agree with any of that more um and you know tc is right like if someone set you an exam on this you wouldn't get full marks would you? i wouldn't get full marks and i feel like i'm pretty like immersed in this world now um you know, you might fig, but I, I don't know how many, how many would. And it's there's something which Dan Bishop, like who runs Index Game, who says you know quite frequently, which is simplify to amplify. And I just I think he's absolutely spot on with that. It, the concept is so good and so strong. You don't need to make it so complex. Like. In many ways, I wonder if the concept has actually carried this product for a few years. Now. Oh, it definitely um, has. Do you know what I mean? People want it to be good so much that they actually kind of look past all the imperfections. Whereas it doesn't need to be that way. It could be made to be perfect um, with a bit of simplification and an overarching like strategy, a golden thread that ran through this that just made sense of all those little things. Because right now, what we've got is this mismatch of initiative over initiative have been layered on top of each other over a number of years and we're now quite a long way from a unified model which is aligned to the concept itself yeah i think there is like a lot they can do but like let's talk about what they could do right um what would you be doing from a purely game standpoint to simplify some of the stuff that tc's kind of mentioned there yeah so I think firstly, I would sort out the three-year bet. And we discussed some of this like previously, I know, but um, I think that is uncomfortable for new traders coming in. And it's very, very difficult to find out what happens at the end of the three years. Like it genuinely is like quite challenging to work out what happens. And um 
you know, I would borrow heavily from SOTD uh, from the pod I did a couple of weeks ago with you that his his suggestion of after three years you stop earning dividends on your holds um, that would just be like number one bang we've so we we have now solved the three year issue right so that's that's number one uh, tick um, I would create a unified deadline for holds like um, God it just keeps bouncing around as well I don't even, I don't even know right now if it's four o'clock or eight o'clock I think it's eight o'clock right but it might not be like it might have changed before this round of fixtures I don't know but I think I would. Take, take a strategic view is one or the other. Do you want it to be a platform whereby you have to hold a player in advance of a match starting to be able to earn dividends on that player? Or do you want to move like to a no deadline kind of world where it doesn't matter when, when you held the player or not, if you were holding it at payout time, you're getting paid. I don't care either way. My, I've got a preference for the latter, but I think, you know, we need to kind of come down on one side or the other on this because it doesn't make sense to me right now that we've got all these different deadlines stacked up against each other. I mean, those are my first two things off the bat, Fig. And I don't know like whether you want to reflect on those. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I, I just don't see how... It, how easy it could be to like do that um there would have to be a lot of like moving parts around but there is a part of me which is just like i i just how hard would it be to onboard a customer like the money it takes to acquire a customer and then the time it takes for that customer to become a very valued customer to fi those that is such a long long period of time and like look for example, Betfair Exchange, people don't come on that and learn how to trade instantaneously or or become like great bettors overnight and, and plug a lot of money into it or in any other betting platform. But I think that gap on FI from £100 portfolio to depositing t- four, five-figure sums takes such a long period of time. I mean, panda for goodness sake right has all this money at its disposable from betting serially and, and successfully over the past 10 years he looked at it for six months and that's because he's a smart guy who understands risks and wants to know what he's getting himself into but i do feel that like part of that learning experience is genuinely learning how to play the game and, and getting used to these very like unnatural not very intuitive rules yeah that's absolutely right you have as a as someone who wants to do well out of this, and I'm not speaking out of experience here because I'm not doing well as well at the moment, but like, you have to be able to strategize your way through the platform, which is kind of really defeats the point, doesn't it? Like we're meant to be kind of, you know, this is meant to be around a concept, not around a product. Um, so, you know, I completely agree with that. Um, and, I'd, you know, I, I, think there's, I think there's also more that could be done as well, right? So IPDs, I know this is going to be an unpopular and controversial view for a lot of people, but I would, I think we've reached the point where I would just get rid of them, actually. Um, I don't think they align with the concept which underpins the product longer term. It's meant to be around, you know, using your knowledge over a long period. Um, and I just don't think it works. I don't think it's working for this market right now. I think it's driving the wrong behaviours. And I'd much rather see that money moved into a different, you know, you had ASP on, uh, what, a month ago or so? Brilliant conversation. Absolutely fantastic conversation. It has surprised me that that got so much uh, traction and that was listened by genuinely, like, tens of thousands of people, right? Um, And there's been so much uh, abrasion 
to that conversation since from a lot of people on the uh, on, on forums on discord on, on slack on on twitter and by by no means they haven't been like bad conversations i haven't been like oh god like this guy's a knob um they've been very good discussions and debates about ipds and 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 stuff like that but i i do find it surprising that that conversation was, was met with such um was was met with such uh positivity and like wow this was such a great conversation about fi and where it could improve but now it's kind of like well you know uh I, i've moved and, and started recouping losses using ipds like they shouldn't be removed and i just i just think that's like an unhealthy way to look at it because i can't help but feel like a lot of people are really not looking at the stark reality of this where and again you you can explain why but like this doesn't work under an order book system and it doubly doesn't work when uh, prices are this low and it triply doesn't work when liquidity is low prices are low and in this order book system like i can't like no one has convinced me yet that um that that fi are making money um on the trade volumes that we're seeing against ipds the comms are far lower than the ipds that we're seeing and this like i just like it can stay as a losing bet for FI for a long period of time. I don't understand how people are looking at that any other way. And I don't know if they're being blinded by holding these players or by trading in and out them regularly, but that's just my opinion. And I'm sorry if it sounds harsh. No, I, I, I suspect it's um, some of that opinion is driven by it's the only way people can actually get money out of this thing right now. Um, and I have some sympathy with that. You know, when we talk about active users and that number being low, well, I'm not an active user because I've got yeah. as much money. I've got as much money as I want in this thing, right? At the moment, I don't want to put more in. I can't, or I could, but I don't want to sell where my money currently is in, is in the product because I think it's underpriced and I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the strategy of buying high and selling low. So therefore, <laughs> you know, I can't move the money around. So I'm not active. And therefore, if you want to stay engaged and you're in that situation, which I suspect a lot of people are, the only way you can stay engaged and make any money is through recycling to try and win IPDs. Um, so I understand for a lot of people where that is coming from. I don't want it to sound like it's pure like self-interest. That's not necessarily what I'm saying, but I'm sure there's a large element of that, which is, you know, people are actually getting some money out of this thing. So, so, so the, the other thing is, right, like, I think it's a very big risk for FI, right? I think there was a good tweet by someone. I didn't see it, but it was kind of like, I'm confused as to what this is becoming. Like the identity crisis that we keep talking about. Is this a long-term bet or is this a, a goal scorer bet, right? Um, and I get there are nuances to that where you can trade in and out and uh, blah, blah, blah. But if FI start focusing their proposition on the game to game, they will lose as a company in this space because there are propositions out there that cater to those needs and they do it just as well or better than fi right um you know we've seen a company who have shut down their career markets which we're probably going to talk about as well but I, I, I can't believe we haven't got any questions about that um they do a match day thing which you know i, I if you were like looking on it outside and you were like well you get this for that or that for this like it's not that too dissimilar um to you know going and placing an ex-goal scorer bet or going on ball sports and choosing to 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 back someone making an assist like there are spaces in this market that fi have conquered and done really well on which is the long-term bet but if they choose to move more towards this kind of in play 
everyday trade or uh, daily kind of thing, I think personally they will either lose or they will not fulfill their potential. That's my personal opinion. So when I'm saying kind of like I personally think IPD should be replaced by something else, I'm not saying that because I don't hold IPD players or players that will regularly win IPDs or that I haven't traded in and out of players for IPDs. I'm saying that because I truly believe with someone who has a lot of vested interest in FI being as good as it could be, both monetarily as a trader and having a brand and a business built on it, they will not do as well as they should do if that's the route that they choose to go down. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Because if you want to have an anytime goal scorer, if you, know, if you want to back a player's performance on a single game day, I can think of four places at least where you can have a better experience of doing that and make more money, whether it's a betting exchange, a traditional bookmaker, a non-traditional bookmaker, like you just referenced, um, or through daily fantasy kind of stuff. Or, or spread betting on player performances. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, absolutely. It's, it's out there. Yeah, it is. And so, you know, FI cannot match any of those five places and beat them at that game. But the problem we've got is for people who've got money in this and that money is trapped to an extent, it's become, and particularly when FI do things like running rebates over a weekend, it actually becomes in their interest to like pursue the IPDs. Like you almost, they're almost paying you to go after that market. Um, and that doesn't make business sense from FI's perspective. Yeah. And like, I really just believe this very strongly. I know others will have a contrary view, but for me, I would take the money that's currently tied up in paying out IPDs every day. And I would use that to put into a kind of, you know, micropayment, tiered PB, thresholds, whatever you want to call it. I think there are better models that are complementary to the long-term bet. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what we saw because a lot of people were asking me about this. The news that uh, a rival product in in Sportstack have shut down their career markets, at least temporarily. Um, a lot of people were weirdly happy about this, weirdly unhappy about this. Like it was kind of weird. Um, wh- what were your thoughts about this when you saw it? Yeah. So, firstly. That's unsurprising me, and not for the first time in the last couple of months. Um, the tribal nature of the FI online community um, has been exposed. Um, and yeah, I get there's some competitive elements of this. And I think, to be fair, Sportstack have invited some of that on themselves. So when Football Index were... Well, they still are struggling, obviously. But when <laughs> when um, when things started to blow up quite significantly post order book implementation, you know, Sportstack weren't particularly slow, were they, about using the Football Index hashtag to market their competitive product? And if you're going to do that, you have to expect you're going to get some flack back if things don't work out. So, you know, I don't really have you know too much sympathy with them on that. But we did definitely see a pretty strong reaction. That's right. I mean. I had two thoughts instantly when I saw this last week. Um, and that was really, and we, 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 let, let's, be, let's be really clear here. Vic. We can only speculate. We don't yeah, know absolutely. the reality. And it's really important that none of this is sort of taken as gospel by anyone. But you know, there's two kind of theories for me as what's happened there. One is they're losing money um, and it's just not working for them financially, which I can believe that's possible. Um, they were doing things which FI currently can't do, and maybe there are affordability reasons for that. But at the same time, they haven't been doing it very long. Um, and I would have thought if this was a strategic 
push from that organization to a new market, they might have given it more than 12 weeks um, before deciding whether it was like profitable or not. Um, so that's the first kind of question mark. Is it around the success of that model? Um, the second one, which is kind of more in line with what Sportstack said themselves, is around the regulation of the product. Um, and they alluded to the fact that they can't make this product work with the Gambling Commission and the FCA. And the reference to the FCA was very interesting because I wasn't aware that was an FCA licensed product. Um, maybe I don't it was, think it, was. it wasn't. No, but they definitely referenced it in their comps, which I thought was quite unusual. Um, and it got me thinking, well, what is it that was different between the sports back career kind of market and football index. And there were only two things that I could really find. Um, one was the fact that sports stack were offering a form of instant sell um, and that you could sell your bet at any time back to sports stack. And I know, you know, people have speculated whether the reason FI have never put IS back onto their own products is because in a regulatory environment, which is getting tighter, they're not allowed to, we don't know that, but it's a possibility. Um, and um, the other thing, which is kind of markedly different to football index, is of course the period and duration of the bet. Um, and there was no three-year expiry. Um, and again, you know, it leads you to naturally ask the question: Does that, for once and for all, confirm to us that the three-year kind of period of the bet is actually something which FI haven't got any control on, and is something they kind of maintain to keep it? within a regulatory framework. Now, we don't know the answer to those questions, but those are the thoughts that I had initially when seeing the news. Yeah, I think it was obviously, um, you know, unfortunate for them to, to have done that, uh, to have had to do that. I think, uh, for me, I don't buy that it's purely a regulatory reason. I think that they probably didn't get much traction with the product and uh, maybe not as much traction as they'd hoped um it was a lot of glitz and glamour on the outside from the outside but when you actually looked at the underlyings the product and the game it didn't really look too appealing there wasn't the dynamism there um that you would have expected considering all the the lovely ux and ui and uh great launch um and and that's not a, that's not a slight to 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 them or to any business that maybe has kind of a form over function type of thing but i think the concept just wasn't as strong as the kind of form if that makes sense um i also think there was an interesting kind of dynamic between the other product that they run where you can maybe win or lose like 20 30 in a day or in a game um and they've launched this product where you could maybe win 20 or 30 percent over a season that kind of seems just like the 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 theory behind that was a bit maybe misplaced. That was my opinion anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's a lot in that. Um and I, I know it's not something which it's not a product that I've I've used or tried, but talking to those online who've dabbled in a bit of football index yeah. and a bit of that, I think that resonates with what I've heard from from others. Um and actually when you compare the like for like payouts and yields that were on offer, um they weren't particularly good. And actually we know it's yields. We like whether you want to like look at it as literally as that or not. We know it's dividends and, and winnings that drive like products like this, don't we? Yeah, and I think the other thing was like I looked at it once and I was like, oh, interesting. And then I looked at it twice and I was like, mm, okay. And then I looked at it the third time and I was like, I don't know. So it it felt like it was a good campaign at the start and it was like pretty captivating, but it clearly didn't onboard as many people as they'd hoped. 
yeah, I think that's probably right. And products like this, I suspect, need a critical mass actually yeah. of users. Um, and if you can't build that, then you're going to be you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, should we move on to the questions? I'll get it this up on Twitter. But as I'm doing that, I'm going to plug the Athletic. If you guys are looking for some New Year's gifts or late Christmas presents, head over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash FI guide. Uh, actually, it's not FI guide. It's theathletic.co.uk forward slash fig. And you get basically 50% off your yearly um, sum of the subscription which is pretty decent it's like £2.49 a month which is great for some awesome articles and stuff on The Athletic uh, bought anything recently for more than £2.49 I mean with Christmas just gone I'm presuming you spent a lot more than that yeah last time I was on doing a show like this I don't have a whinge that things are more expensive than they used to be which means <laughs> that I'm definitely getting old now but I obviously we've got kids and uh, a lot of the stuff they got for Christmas needed batteries. I went to buy some batteries. I don't know if it's like they price these things higher for Christmas time or not, but a pack of batteries. Batteries are really expensive. It's you know? absolutely outrageous. It's, it is, oh, I don't know. I, I'm definitely, like, I got, my wife told me that I'm definitely getting old because I was whinging about this the other night, but given that she wouldn't listen to me and there's, you get 20,000 listeners, maybe I'll take the chance <laughs> to use that platform. Um, batteries are too expensive. Batteries are too expensive. I, as a frequent battery buyer for podcast equipment and other equipment and so much, I, I'm always shocked. Always shocked. Um, never not been shocked buying batteries. Do you know what? Like a, a lot of people I know have bought like bought stocks in like battery alternative stuff, or they've bought um, they've bought like URLs to do with like renewable batteries and stuff like that. There's definitely something there done well. Maybe we need to start a ba- uh, business. I will look into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, let's um let's have a look at some questions here. Um I kind of maybe arrogantly posted it and just haven't looked yet. Just presumed there'd be loads, but there isn't, of course. The panda pull is not with us. Um there's there is quite a few. I'm joking. Thank you very much for everyone who's submitted them. Um got a question here from Ryan Pierce uh from Twitter. Are you surprised at what seems to be a lack of urgency from FI to get prices high again, given their business model relies on this and the minting of shares? If you were in their shoes, would you make a statement to acknowledge their mistakes and apologize? So the first half of that we've kind of already covered. I don't know if you want to add anything else to that, Dunwell. Yeah, the second half of it, actually, I did touch on in the thread last week as well. I think it's really important. I think FI could show a bit of contrition, actually, um, to people who have stuck with this over the last few months. Um, And that comes in a couple of different forms. So firstly, I do think we are due some New Year communications. um, And a part of that should be a bit of a frank apology for what's happened over the last three or four months and that would go a long way with people don't underestimate how much people um value the fact that people hold their hands up and say we got this wrong we're sorry and we want to make it better um so i think there should be at least some words to back up that kind of feeling um and secondly i'd actually and this would probably be a little bit unpopular and very very unlikely um, but i would like to see some kind of token given back to people who left their money in this as a way of saying uh, saying sorry you know even if it was just you know a a like um you know a free bet for example which could be used to buy 50 quids worth of footballers or whatever it is like the liability to fi of that probably isn't enormous but it would go a long way i think to actually acknowledging um the fact that things haven't really gone very well recently I, I think there's a feeling as well, actually, uh, whilst we're on this, Fig, uh, on my soapbox on this. God. I think there's a feeling that on Black Sunday, 
there were people who panic sold and got out and there were other people who sort of pleaded caution and said they weren't going to do that and they were going to leave their money in and everything else and the people who got out it now looks like were the ones who did the right thing and actually they could be back in now if they wanted to they could be back in hoovering up a load of stuff that they sold at a tenth of the price where they sold it and now maybe that's a, maybe that we just accept that that comes down to a different individual acceptance of risk and that's a human decision and you can if you you know you just got back yourself to get the right decision on that but actually i think from an fi perspective as a company they should be demonstrating some acknowledgement that people showed some loyalty during that period and wanted to leave their money in and not wanted to contribute to a panic that was enveloping the market um and i haven't really heard anything from them which does acknowledge that at the moment yeah yeah um i totally agree with that i totally agree with that we got a question here from FI Pell from Twitter as well. Happy New Year to you all. Do you think there will realistically be a title race this year? If not, what transfers could be made in January to help push a few challenges on? What does he mean, realistically? There's like eight teams who could win the title, <laughs> aren't there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's, let's, I guess realistically, it looks like Liverpool are sort of hitting some form, doesn't it? And are you know, now a couple of points clear at the top. <laughs> I'm looking at the table in front of me. There's three points between first and fourth. I don't think I can ever remember being almost at the turn um, at Christmas and it being that close. There's only from Everton in fourth down to Southampton in ninth, only another three points covering those teams. Um, realistically, you could argue anyone between first and ninth could win the title right now. So, um, I don't know what if I pell where where he or she was coming from with the question, but I think we have a title race mm. um, pretty strongly. What do you think? I think Liverpool win it. I think it will only take about eighty odd points to win the league this season. So I don't think they'll win it by a great margin, but I think they will win it, and I think City will come second. I think they will do well over the Christmas period, considering even with the, the positive tests that they've got COVID-wise, I think they've just announced that they haven't had any new new cases, which is good for them. Um, I think they will get in touching distance within... I think it'll be Liverpool and City 1 and 2, um, and then I think United will come third. Uh, but United look good as well. Um, but again, there's... I'm just looking at it now. There's... 10 points between 5th and 16th which is pretty crazy isn't it um, so a lot could happen it's really compressed I think there's going to be like I think the league winner will win by like 5 to 8 points maybe could be even tighter could be even tighter and I think the difference between like 4th and 8th is going to be about 9 to, 10 to 11 points at the end of it yeah, that's right. Um, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it'd be really, really tight. I think we could see a surprise into the European places, maybe into the Champions League places. Perhaps. I mean, the, you know, the best form team right now is Aston Villa. They look really good. They look really good. For everything I said earlier about it being lower on quality and a bit more random, I would love to see some different teams like fill some of those top spots. Um, it, would be, it would be really good for the division in many ways for that mm. to happen um yep. it's been a bit of a closed shot for a long time hasn't it yeah and the the apart from liverpool really like uh, obviously spurs making the final like we haven't had that much success since like 2008 uh it's t- the tide has turned uh not 2008 2011 or was it who was it that was it chelsea and there was that chelsea and united final in the late 
in the late 2000s. But we, we kind of had this period of Spanish dominance and it seems like Bayern are going to be doing really well every year. And um, like it, it would feel good to have some kind of like fresh, kind of fresh blood in there. Um, maybe that's just me not wanting to see Spurs in the Champions League again, but who knows? I was going to say, actually, I mean, it's great, isn't it? Like the wheels have come off again. It's <laughs> like every, every year you get this great pleasure well, it's a bit of a horror show. Like you get this three or four week period where Spurs look really good, and then they think like scarily really good, lit. yeah. And then it all kind of goes to shit, and it's like, oh, that's all right then. Um, and we'll, we'll look forward to it happening again next year. Yeah, yeah. Here we are every year, Spursy. Um, have you got any questions that you're looking at that you want to ask? Um, one from Ginger Pierlo here. He, uh, our old sort of friend of the show, he says, uh, "What are your feelings on um, the FI to build bid walls and floors concept? Is it a no-brainer to at least attempt it?" Look, I'm speculating that regulatory things are not at play here. Um, I can't see why they wouldn't. But I think they want to create more natural liquidity through one way or another before doing that. For me, it makes sense because they would remove dividends on from their liabilities uh, by buying potentially some of these players back at like a very, very small sum for those people that desperately want to cash out or want to use those walls. And they could be placed at like, you know, 30, 40% of what we're currently seeing, like the bo- the very bottom of the bid zones or remove the bid zones completely and just choose a point where you want to set them. Um, I think that they want to wait for natural liquidity and market makers to do that for them. But there comes a period, doesn't it, at one point where if this continues for, say, six months, where they must be like, well, we've got this money this thing isn't going to work unless we basically do what Ginger Pillow has just suggested. And that's presuming that there's no market makers and we've got the same level of volumes and liquidity as, as we currently have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think, I think so. I mean, I'm pretty like bullish on this actually. I mean, if, if I was at the wheel, I would at the, and it's, it's, the timing is really important here. I wouldn't do it now. December's always a terrible month for FI. Um, and uh, it's never really kind of a great period in terms of people, how much money they've got in their pocket for things like this anyway. But January traditionally is a more important month for the index when there is a natural kind of people looking for things to do. There's transfer speculation. There's money going to going into it. And I think if this was me, I would very quietly be buying up open sell offers now or like into next week i'd be hoovering them up quietly in the background um locking in the profit like yeah how many shares were minted and sold at 14 pounds or 13 pounds for sancho why wouldn't i want to buy those back at four or five pounds lock in that profit um and whilst i was doing that i would very publicly and vocally start introducing floors and walls um and doing that in, in a very bounded way and say look it's not going to be more than 25 percent of buy price or whatever it is but i would be showing the market that I'm here, I'm listened, and I'm going to be a lender of last resort. And I think what you get from that is you get momentum, you get a feel-good factor, you get price rises, you get liquidity. I think it could therefore start to generate a real positivity around the product. That's, I mean, maybe I'm dreaming, but that's what I really want to see from FI in the next mm. four to six weeks. Mm. Um, Black Widow from the Fig Discord. Question for both your best g- Xmas gift you got this year. Ah, well, I've got, got a couple of um, really good gifts, actually, um, from Mrs. Dunwell. So um, she got me Civ 6 
for the Xbox, and I've been playing the Civilization series of games since I was twelve. So um, <laughs> I'm really, really excited to um, see what like uh, modern um, strategy computer games look like, having not kind of dipped my toe in that for about 10 years or so. Um, and uh, she also got me the Hornby Christmas Express to put around the Christmas tree. So I've now got a little Christmas train running around the lounge. So yeah, I've, I did well this year. Fig. Brilliant. I got like a couple jumpers. That was pretty much, you know, yeah, that was, yeah, that was my, uh, that was my best bet. Um, I'm trying to think if I bought something for myself. I bought myself a laptop stand and I think I'm in the market for an Apple watch as well yeah really okay mm. i might have to go for one then if, if it's on a uh, done well recommendation i got another one here from uh, uh fi newbie 101 from the fig discord cheeky second question last night rashford missed out on top forward but right at the last minute how can fi improve this as it has happened a few times and in and new people to the joining the platform uh will see this as a problem so i guess we've got a balance between being right and the kind of uh enjoyment of the game done well what do fi do here because i think a lot of people uh are complaining and are they stuck in between a rock and a hard place here yeah so there's no perfect system to this i guess that's that'll be my starting point and you're trying to balance three things accuracy timeliness and enjoyment um and you know we used to have a system which prioritized timeliness by getting everyone paid by midnight or you know half past midnight. And that had its advantages because people like to spend the divs straight away and wake up in the morning and find the money in their account. Um, and you know, there were some pretty high profile um, examples of Opta changing scores quite late after that deadline. Um, and people were unhappy about that. And I understand that because actually accuracy probably should be more important than timeliness. So we now got the system we've got now, which is we prioritized doing it a lot more slowly so that we get a more accurate answer. But it also means people went to bed last night thinking they'd won some dividends and they've woken up this morning to find out that they haven't. So like, we've kind of got a flip kind of situation there and, and it's decreased people's enjoyment. I think for me, I am supportive of trying to get to the right answer first. I think that feels like a pretty good principle for life. Like do it right, don't do it quickly um, within reason. Um, but there could be more transparency. And I think what FI could do to make this better would be to just say, if, if there was a change between you know, 11 p.m. last night and 9 a.m. this morning, just show what was the change. Just say, like, the score was, you know, I don't know what the numbers were, I'm making this up, but the score was 240 last night. It was 232 this morning. Uh, eight points were removed because Opta changed this particular metric. I don't think it would take that much to do that. And maybe people would kind of accept that being the case what do you think i think that it's weird that the numbers are so disparate like 15 points is big like that's a few actions and i don't know if that's because because of games being on amazon prime on a lag or some other crazy i don't know but like i don't really get how the swings can be that big I struggle to understand it. Um, I also, yeah, I mean, there's a lot I have, uh, I want to hold Opta accountable for, like the big chance created stat and why that's subjective and not objective. But I think from FI's standpoint, like they obviously need a third party provider. They need that third party provider to be very smooth. 
But I guess it's on them to decide, as you said, what do they prefer? Do they prefer people being excited and being happy and tweeting in in, in the late, like at 11 o'clock, knowing that they've won? Or do they prefer people tweeting sometimes, maybe four or five times a season in the morning, saying how much of a farce it is that they thought they'd won and they haven't won? Like, yeah. FI have got to just kind of be realistic about what's in their control and what is it. They, you know, they have a third party. It has to be a third party. I'm sure Opta aren't a perfect organisation. I'm sure this time of year they've probably got fewer staff in because we've all got fewer staff in. Like that's not FI's problem or its fault. They are using the premier supplier of football data. Like that's that's a good business decision. All that's in FI's control is when they set their deadlines, and we've talked about the pros and cons of whichever way you take, because it is trade-offs, and you just got to accept that. And the only other thing that's in their control is their comms. And they can decide what they say when there are incidents like this. And I think they could do better at that. I prefer how it was. I think most people do think. But that, mm. my sense from seeing, you know, kind of the discussions on Twitter and Slack and things like that, there seems to, there seems to be a, I'd say, 60, 40, 70, 30 preference for the okay. old way. Okay, cool. Um, I've got a question for you. Go on, go on, go on. Uh, FI Ben says, where's FI going to be by Euro 2021? I have somewhat um, extended my kind of time frame for when market makers might come in. I think they're going to be more like six to nine months away. Gut feeling maybe six months away because like i was kind of sitting there in in the the webinar boise did last night and he was kind of saying like what the bare requirements market makers need and what they'd want he was speaking from his personal experience as a market maker and i just can't help i couldn't help but sit there and just go don't have that don't have that will take a while to get that and that and that and i'm sure done well when you watch it eventually you'll kind of realize or, or think about it as well and be like well we might actually be quite far away from it but i think uh I'd, I'd want like a lot of things rectified from like a game standpoint i think you know the media monitor that needs to be sorted out um we probably need some comms around kind of like as you said not an apology but like what's happened and also what nasdaq is and, and how that works and and what that will be and what the trouble has been there in terms of getting it across because fi have hyped it up so much and um nasdaq have hyped it up so much like i i want to know what's happened there like like as in what is the extent of that partnership what are the aims of the technology uh integration and like what what should we as customers see it as should we just see it as like a a marketing play uh or is this a full back-end integration or is this purely to help with ipo auctions like some form of comms around that um i'd want kind of like uh, more natural liquidity created through a variety of means i'd want um tool sets to be very much refined being able to edit bids being able to bid an offer on the same side bid zones being uh kind of uh less arbitrary control arbitrary controlled uh i want fi to come out and, and do some work against manipulation market manipulation and just kind of look at like whether or not people are manipulating the mechanic to to create lower prices for themselves or uh replenish it in play dividends between friends i know there's been rumors of a few people being banned from that 
I think these are all bits that I can see happening by then. Um, and I maybe maybe my expectations are too low, but there is a lot of work to do. There is. I think that's something that struck me really significantly, probably in the discussion which was generated by the thread that I did last week, was stepping back and looking at it and thinking, oh, actually, there is a lot to do. This isn't yeah. just a like silver bullet here or like if we do this one thing it's going to like turn the whole like product round suddenly we're in a situation whereby there are multiple strands of work in different bits of the business which need to be done and done to a high level of quality um because there isn't necessarily always a focus on quality and a focus on pride in the like in what comes out of the organization and actually they need a good run now for the next six months of landing some good deliverables to improve this product I've got a question here from FI Stratus from the Fig Discord. Uh, do you see a possible way to move in play dividends from a 30-day refresh to a dividend inside the trader versus trader bet valuation? Do you like the ideas of goals and assists equals uh, a payout in pence, but for the whole bet length? Happy New Year to you both. And, and Happy New Year to Strategist as well. Good um, discussion of the day, by the way. Enjoyed that one. Um, so it's a good question. <laughs> And it links to a question, another question we've had um, on on Twitter, actually, around how would you bring the fund back to FI? So Stephen Reeves, so how do you bring the fund back to FI? Seeing players drop in price after good performance is illogical and not fun. And I think there's some, there's some linkage between those two questions because at the heart of this product should be a feeling of watching, sitting down, watching a game of football, uh, holding like a number of shares in a player and then seeing them do something positive on the pitch and that triggering a feeling of winning, like for you as an individual. Like, you know, if I hold Timo Werner and he goes and scores a brace, uh, you know, on, on Monday Night Football, I want to be sitting there thinking, this is great, this is fantastic news for me. To log on an hour later and see that I've lost money is really counterintuitive. And I think, I agree, is not fun. And I suppose what strategist is kind of driving at with what he said in his question is, well, you know, if you support this concept or idea of, for the life of the bet, a positive action like scoring or assisting, triggering a payment, well, you can marry those concepts up, can't you? I mean... I guess for me, I worry about the affordability of that. Um, I think I wouldn't go as far as to create this kind of, um, you know, uh, IPD in, in perpetuity because I don't think that's necessarily um, something which would work for FI. Um, but I, I am very supportive of the idea of more frequent micropayments for holders of players who frequently play well but don't necessarily win pb particularly if you've got players who are regularly and randomly playing on gold days with 26 or 27 of the matches taking place it is phenomenally difficult to win pb in that situation um but i do like the idea of a penny for hitting a score of 200 for example and there is no better way to hit scores of 200 than scoring goals um so whilst i might not necessarily support a literal pence for goals model i do like the idea of scoring more goals more frequently uh resulting in more payouts Mm. yeah i I agree and i think uh, i i think people are maybe looking to be guided a little bit on this and maybe uh, a lot of people see replacing play dividends or change in play dividends or alter them and they just think oh crap what does a a world with on fi look like without in play dividends and that's not the right way to look at it 
Yeah, absolutely. So it, it means you could use that money to do something better than IPDs. Better is, of course, subjective and very much in the eye of the person coming up with the alternative. But I'm relatively confident that you could create something which feels a bit like IPDs, but is better than it. Right. Um, let's see another question here from Chris Barker. Uh, it's a good one from Twitter. From a needing to hold perspective, who your top three stock has risen holds on the index and who are the three previously considered strongholds who are no longer desirable? Huh. Uh, how should we split this? Do you want to do, should we do a couple each of each one? I don't yeah, know. Let's go um, one, one each at a time. Okay. All right. So um, top three stock has risen. Um, oh, this is really good, isn't it? It's a really, really good question. So I guess, if we look at the time, there's got to be a time frame on this. So let's say six, should we say compared to six months ago or maybe yeah. compared to Christmas last year? Let's do that. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do, do 12 months. Christmas. Yeah. So I guess number one stock has risen would be Kimmich for me because mm-hmm. this time last year, people generally were dismissive of him as a nearly man, I think. And even though maybe the last like month or so or six weeks or so, he's not necessarily like because of injuries and other things chipped in much in the way of dividend wins. I think he has proven that his scores are so consistently good that you can't fail to win dividends with him. Um, and I think his price does reflect that to an extent, but still doesn't go far enough in reflecting that. So he would be my number one stock has risen player. And my number one stock has fallen player it's probably Paul Pogba, isn't it? I mean, if you think about, I think even maybe April, May time, we'd have re- regarded him as a media machine. That's just not true anymore. And he seems to be kind of floating away into the fringes of someone who's not really talked about that much. And certainly the United kind of media dividend, which, of which definitely exists, is going elsewhere, whether that's mm. Bruno or Rashford or whatever it might be. Mm. I would say... I'd probably go for like one of the two left backs in uh, either Robertson or Chilwell. I think they've both looked really, really good this season, um, both FI and real football. Um, stock dropped. I kind of want to say, like, oh man, who was the who was the Fiorentina centre mid who just scored loads of penalties for a little bit? Oh, what was his name? Um, oh, um, oh, God's sake. Oh, Pulgar. Do you remember? Do you remember when Eric Pulgar just won like 700 PBs in a row because he scored a few penalties? Um, I think someone like that, who has just kind of like not been able to do much since then because of overperforming their expected dividend payouts, really significantly for a short period of time will look starkly different to what they do now i also think you know um i think people maybe look at neymar slightly differently now just because the injuries the kind of not being asked to play uh psg don't know where he's going to be next summer um I think maybe his stock has fallen a little bit, but I don't think he's not desirable at all. I think a lot of people definitely hold him long term. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we've named a few there. Yes, can I make an honourable kind of mention for some Serie A players as well? Actually, in terms of the stock risen ones, um, and these are not pumps because I don't own either of them. But um, uh, Rodrigo de Paul seems to be a PB machine. I suspect has got a move in him at some point. Yeah, nearly um, moved to Leeds. 
nearly moved to Leeds and that could have been quite an interesting fit actually um so he's certainly one that I wouldn't have been thinking about this time last year but I probably would now and the other just looking at how well Milan are doing Theo Hernandez seems to be hitting like not just some goals and Chan Oglu as well like yeah absolutely 24 months ago he was really good for PB 12 months ago he was shit and now he's really good again yeah absolutely absolutely right so there's some there are some um yeah, it's just so frustrating, isn't it? Like, I'd love to be in a position where we're, this is the conversation we've been having for the last hour and I've got money in my balance that I'd be, like, piling into these guys because I'd love to be holding some of these players we're talking about. Mm. Um, okay, I want to ask you two final questions. One is a final one and one is one that is going to pick your brain. Um, De Kaiser here, what's been your best and worst traditional bets of 2020? What has been your best and worst FI purchase of 2020? So for me... And this is alongside the Kaiser because we op- we often talk about um, general traditional betting and, and football. Um, we both thought West Brom could get something against Leeds yesterday, and they got beaten five 0 um, So that wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, um, my two or well, my best traditional bets this year have been nothing to do with football at all, um, and. Um, I, some people know this, I own a small share in a racehorse and he's won uh, three races this year and I've wow, had, some money on, had some money on each time and he's won at some good prices. So uh, those have been my kind of best bets. Worst traditional bets was on the US election, just basically broke every kind of good betting rule in the book by feeling really confident about an outcome, too confident, uh, put some really good money on Joe Biden um, winning by a certain margin, uh, absolutely shit myself overnight when it looked like he was going to lose cashed out for a really big loss but not as big as the loss could have been and then of course he actually did win like four days later by the required margin and <laughs> made some money so that's by far my worst bet for a number of years actually mm. um worst and best fi purchases of 2020 um you know the same player probably answers both questions so if you'd asked me this a few weeks ago i'd have said my worst fi purchase was nicola pepe um which i think i said when i was on the show back in like august september that i've got a blind spot for arsenal players so i try not to buy them but i did buy a decent like chunk of pepe over the summertime um and i've been cursing that ever since and then he won two gold days in the space of a week um, and picked up two media days as well. So actually, it's turned out to be the best yielding like purchase I've made this year. So um, that's the nature of FI, I suppose. Mm. Okay, last one. Uh, Fresh Milk or at Elk Hunk to 78, who does the team, team of the month uh, rankings, I think. Go check him out. Put yourself in Bowen's shoes. What do you see as the one or two biggest risks and opportunities for FI now? Uh, got a question from FI Berbatov. Do you have faith uh, Mike can turn FI around considering he has been at the top table uh, throughout this self-caused crisis? Um, do you have greater confidence in him over Adam Cole? Ah, uh, oh, we've already answered FI's Charlie's question. Sorry for sorry for not getting to that, Charlie. I think you were one of the first questions as well, but we've we've talked about both your questions, so it's fine. And then uh, someone says, in Mike's CEO announcement, he stated that we should expect more action and less words. Where do you therefore expect the announcement with tangible improvements to be? So I want to ask you about this kind of uh, changing the guard. Like, what are your general thoughts? Because you've been not in these positions, but you've seen leadership changes and you've seen exec teams change around him going to chairman and Mike coming in as CEO. Like what were your general thoughts around this? And I just want to hear your, uh, yeah, your take on it basically. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, 
big shout out to Fresh Milk at Fresh Milk. Um, the content he creates on Team of the Month is outstanding um, and puts FI to shame. Um, and he's a must follow account. So I just kind of wanted to acknowledge that and, and say thank you uh, to him for the work he does on that because it's really helpful for the community. Um, in terms of the leadership change, it's really hard to say sitting at this kind of distance from the organisation because I don't know Mike at all. And you know, frankly, I don't know Adam either. Um, but my experience of seeing people promoted to roles like that, which includes me, frankly, you know, I've, I was a deputy chief executive for a long time before I took a CEO role. It tends to fall into one of two ways. You're either a continuity candidate and you've been appointed from a deputy or de facto deputy to permanent role because people want more of the same and they trusted the previous CEO and they wanted what the previous CEO was doing to continue beyond their term in office. So it could be that. I really hope it isn't. Like, it's not to disrespect Adam. I think he did a phenomenally good job, actually, over the time he was um, you know, growing this business. But the business needs something different now, which I think also explains the timing of his departure. Like, different things need to happen for FI to be a success in the next phase. So what you're really hoping for there, I think, is that Mike is an internal candidate who's been sat there watching and learning about the business and has got lots of good ideas to change the direction of the business and put those ideas into practice in a way that he wasn't able to from being a board member um, because he didn't have the full levers at his disposal. So if we end up in like bracket number two, then all outcomes are at play, including uh, good outcomes. Um, but I think if we kind of are ended up in a stick rather than twist, um, situation where it's just more of the same that probably poses more risks to the business that's my view anyway okay interesting and normal for someone of his age to kind of maybe sit back a little bit for adam yeah yeah absolutely i mean i don't want this to sound discriminatory in any kind of way because there's no direct link between age and like performance in that regard um and there's nothing to say that he's not like as sharp as he is he is now as he was 30 years ago it absolutely could be um however i think people do tend to look at that phase of life and question you know what they want from the next 10 20 years if they've got that sort of in, in front of them and prioritize the things that really will make them happy on a personal level um and 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 do that and that doesn't always involve working full-time I, I think it probably rarely does if i'm honest so you know uh, from adam's perspective if this means he still gets some involvement with the company which he absolutely has got as both the chairman of the board and having a significant shareholding in the company um you know he will continue to have his involvement with something which he loves as a product and a concept uh whilst still sort of creating some more time for himself to go off and do kind of more things for him it makes a lot of sense i'm sure mm. i think we'll wrap up there mate thank you so much for standing in again been a pleasure to have you on the podcast as soon as uh, as always uh, i probably put this out tomorrow um i was in a bit of a rush to be like oh let's avoid new year's eve but like with tier four when i was planning this it was kind of like opening up a little bit and then now it's kind of like we're all locked down i don't think many people are going to be doing anything exciting for new year's eve so i'll put this out tomorrow on thursday and hopefully people can enjoy it because i've just stuck out a webinar out and people i'm hoping will be doing their fig watching or listening to that today um done well where can people find out more about you People can find me on Twitter at FI Dunwell. And if you're on the Index Game Slack community at SDB Dunwell. Mm, brilliant. And on the Fig Discord. And on the Fig Discord. And on the Fig Discord. <laughs> I, am on the, I, I am on the Fig Discord. <laughs>
<laughs> thank you very much for stepping in uh panda will apparently be next be back next week refreshed he says after becoming apparently nocturnal watching the cricket um and i don't know if he's doing very well gambling wise on the cricket um this is me testing very him. refreshing does it no no it doesn't this is me testing in testing whether or not he listens as well when he's not on um i wonder if he's actually made much money on this cricket Mm, we'll see we'll find we'll out see. next week maybe we'll get some screenshots or, or either <laughs> him just crying with his tail between his legs <laughs> thank you very much everyone for listening and we'll have more Thick Arts Extra for you next week